coming up on Art Palace. It's a very old-timey gesture. Also, the word ragamuffin, I feel like, have not heard that used in a long time. I'm very and I probably impressed. used it three times. So far, I think, yeah. It's very impressive. Welcome to Art Palace, produced by Cincinnati Art Museum. This is your host, Russell Eyrig. Here at the Art Palace, we meet cool people and then talk to them about art. Today's cool person is Maxim Alter, host of the podcast Here Cincinnati from WCPO. Well, I have a, a little confession to make. I have lived in Cincinnati for almost six years now. Okay. Not from here, but I've never been to this museum. And I feel what? so terrible about it. I'm actually now really excited to go look at a piece of art because I hear such great things. Well, don't feel too, too bad because... I also live five minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> okay, these are piling up now. But I was going to say, the the... Uh... I all the time I talk to people who have lived here their entire lives, yeah. not six years, but thirty years, yeah. and they're the ones who say, "I've actually never been here." Or I was doing a, a program in the park down in Washington Park, and I was talking some to somebody about you know what we had going on, the program, blah 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 blah, and he's like, "Oh, is this like a new museum?" And I was like, "Well." <laughs> Depends on what you call new, I guess. We've been uh, uh, founded in 1881, okay, so it's relatively new. <laughs> in, the, in, in the like the whole like sort of timeline of mm. the world, that's very new. Yeah, like all of history, all of culture, even that's like pretty new. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of art in the museum that's way older. So, yeah. like as an institution, you go, oh, that's pretty new. But like, yeah, for the city, really, you know, that's pretty old, I yeah. guess. And as far as museums in the city go. Pretty old. Pretty old. Actually, as far as art museums go <laughs> in the country, we're pretty old. Yeah. Like there aren't a lot of older ones. Um, so, well, yeah. So you, um, you're from New York originally, right? I am. I am from New York. I'm not from New York City, which I think a lot of people. Whenever you tell someone you're from New York, they immediately assume it's New York City. It's not. And then you just go, oh, okay. And then you just start <laughs> no, looking. It's fine. Like, Never I mind. Feel like everyone has this like <laughs> idea that New York City. Well, maybe I'm imagining this, but everyone thinks New York City is like and like romance whatever because you see new york city in all the movies anyway i'm from woodstock new york oh, okay which hopefully well i get upset when people don't know what woodstock is because <laughs> i gotta tell you the older i get the younger people are around me they don't know what woodstock is but <laughs> that's hilarious I, yeah. I was like thinking like well that's i, I can't there's probably like two other cities in New York besides New York City I know of, apart from like, you know, greater mm -hmm. the, the boroughs sure, and stuff sure, too, yeah. because it's like, I know like Buffalo like and Rochester. Oh, that's true. Okay. never mind. <laughs> I know more New York City, I guess. But yeah, it's like, I don't know anything about New York State. Yeah. But Woodstock is like an hour and two hours north of New York City. Uh, very pretty. Mm -hmm. uh, I went to college at SUNY New Paltz, the State University of New York at New Paltz, which is the only way I can tell people like 
for them to recognize that is it's kind of near the area where they found Hillary Clinton after she lost the election where she was like in the woods. Right. That's where my college. <laughs> yeah. There was like a lady just like walking in the woods. Right. Like yeah, with her dog Mohonk. or something. And like, yeah. I don't remember if she had a dog or Hillary. And... I think the woman was walking her dog and just like had a wild Hillary sighting. <laughs> <laughs> so amazing. I would love to yeah. just run into Hillary in the woods. <laughs> I mean, she goes there because it's a really beautiful area. Like I, I do miss it a lot. It's gorgeous right now this time yeah. of year in the Catskill Mountains. So yeah, that's where I'm from. Oh, well, that's nice. So what what brought you here? So I went to college for journalism and got a job somehow miraculously out of college uh, in a station in West Palm Beach, Florida. Okay. And the station in West Palm is owned by Scripps, which is uh, located in Cincinnati. Right. And Scripps owns uh, their their station in Cincinnati is WCPO, Channel 9, as many people will call it, the ABC affiliate. So that's where I work now. So I was promoted out of the West Palm Station, and they you know, shipped me over to Cincinnati. And uh, that was in 20, like 20, late 2012. And yeah, I've been here ever since. I, uh, I absolutely love it here. So uh, what were you doing? So how did, yeah. I guess we'll get to a little bit, uh, I haven't actually explained any of what you do because uh, like i was saying like oh this is how i run my show i just we just I start like talking it. it's loose and then we figure it out Mine later is so much more structured <laughs> read better probably no um so so um when did how did the the podcast at wcpo yeah. start and yeah. maybe actually tell people what it's called because i haven't done that sure <laughs> since i haven't done my job no it's fine also uh my title at wcpo is also really confusing kind of like <laughs> yours because everyone in news has weird titles too especially like in tv but it's digital content manager right you think i manage digital content which i do but it, there's more mean, to yeah. it than that right yeah um anyway so uh the podcast is called here cincinnati and the idea about it is uh it's it's a collection of the, I say, the best journalists in Cincinnati, and I can say that completely unbiased. <laughs> uh, the best journalists in Cincinnati, we just talk about the biggest news of the week, uh, mostly Cincinnati regional tri-state news. Uh, we'll sometimes pop a little national stuff in there just, you know, because, of course, so much national news now has Cincinnati, like, involved in it in some way, whether it's, like, the Otto Warmbier story or even, yeah, you know, pretty much everything somehow has a connection here, but... Anyway, so we'll talk about that. And then I usually do two separate segments in the podcast where uh, I will either interview someone who was in the news that week or uh, a reporter who did just a really great uh, story that we want to get more detail on. And I'll talk to them about the behind the scenes, behind the scenes of the story. We'll talk about, you know, why they did it. And then we'll kind of go into what kind of information they found. We have a lot of investigative reporters that like to talk about their big stories of the week. So uh, and then like. For example, someone who's in the news, like I interviewed uh, a local pastor who was housing uh, undocumented immigrants, and that was kind of a big controversial story, and he was explaining to me why he was doing it. Uh, I interviewed a woman who was inside of Cameo Nightclub when that shooting happened and kind of described to me what happened. So yeah, those are some of the episodes I probably do the best, too, because they're a little bit more uh, news, you know, like breaking yeah. news oriented. So, yeah. Do I, so you have... Uh... I've listened to the podcast a little bit and you have mm -hmm. some, some other folks on with you who yeah. work in the news mm -hmm. is, and 
is this uh how do they feel about being on a podcast compared to like i don't know is it like a, a break from their regular news style or do they get to like kind of let their hair down a little bit or so yeah uh there's like two answers to that question <laughs> so the first answer is uh i think they love it well here's the thing i think like half the newsroom loves it um <laughs> Because each week, it's pretty much my job to figure out what the heck I'm going to put on this podcast. And I have to wrangle up journalists who have extremely busy and unpredictable schedules. And so they are kind of hard to nail down. Mm -hmm. Like if Tom McKee, who's a reporter who's on TV every day, is working on these big stories all week, and I really want him to come on the podcast and talk about what he's doing... um, like he may be like, okay, I'll I'll try to record with you tomorrow at eleven, and then tomorrow at eleven, there's this huge news conference he has to go to, or there's breaking news, and he just, you know, that's it. He's not on the podcast that week, so that's one thing. But when they are on it, it seems that uh, because podcasting, even though podcasting isn't really new in the sense that you know people have been doing it for a while, it's new, I think, for TV stations. Yeah. Um, I don't know a lot of TV stations. I've worked for uh, two and have visited like six others in my career so far. And I don't think, I think we're the only ones that have our own podcast. Uh, At least right now, I'm sure that's changing every day. But um, they're not really used to that format. And it's kind of freeing because it's just like a conversation. I try to keep it loose like this with a little structure. (laughs) But we have just like a conversation. And I, you know, I have questions I prepare for them. But like the way that the conversation goes, that usually never sticks to whatever I wrote down. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I also have with the panel, um, I have regulars who host the panel of like, where we talk about the news of the week, Lucy May, who's an amazing digital reporter, uh, Megan Wesley, who's our digital editor, and uh, we usually swap between uh, two different um, nine on your side anchors uh, who you see on TV, Catherine uh, Nero and Chris Riva. Mm-hmm. And then we have guest hosts too. Um, Scott Kaiser hosts our the station has a few podcasts. We have a one called the Fifth Mascot. And we have one called the Flying Pigskin, uh, once for the Bengals and once for the Reds. And Scott Kaiser hosts those, so he'll come on and, and do the Here Cincinnati panel with us, do a little crossover. But so yeah, we're really experimenting in podcasting. And 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 the second answer to the question is um, so scripts, which is again located in Cincinnati. And I feel like I want to hammer this in because a lot of people don't realize, and I, this is why I really like working for WCPO, and I'm not just saying that because I'm being recorded right now. <laughs> um, a lot of people don't realize, you know, when you watch a local TV station, um, the company that owns that station, 99% of the time, isn't in your community. Right. You know, uh, Hearst isn't here, Gannett's not here, Sinclair's not here, you know. Uh, but Scripps is located downtown and that's where all the decisions are made. And that's, you know, and the people who work for the headquarters are watching on the news and, re- you know, they're part of this community. So uh, they get to let us really go crazy and experiment. And they just kind of let us throw ideas on the wall yeah. and just go nuts. So we wanted to do podcasts. We got a podcast studio. Like we, they like let us do these things and spend the budget on it. So, um, it's been really great. So we decided to do the podcast. I started doing here Cincinnati, I want to say like a year and a half ago, maybe two years. I don't know how long I've been doing it. But yeah, and so uh, that's everyone's just kind of really excited to just try something different. Well, and, and podcasting is relatively cheap too. Yeah. And especially I would imagine 
if you're already in a news studio, it's like you probably have most of the equipment already there. Yeah, they're like the broadcast side likes to hog all the equipment. <laughs> so we actually have like we you call can't it like the... go borrow them. Like, yeah, because oh, we'll they're just, always we'll bring using this back. It. Right. Yeah. I mean, true. I don't know what you have. This is pretty cool. I have honestly, I don't do any of the equipment stuff. I should I should mention Brian Neese, who's the podcast here since Sandy's podcast producer, who's a yeah. brilliant, brilliant person, and he has does all the technology portion yeah. of it, which is not me, but. Um, yeah, uh, we have like a studio and we film live stuff in there. They do something called Lounge Acts in there that is amazing. Um, it's basically like a live music show. Mm-hmm. And we do it, a, I don't know how often we do it, maybe once a week. But they're, uh, whenever there are bands playing in Cincinnati, whether they're local bands or really popular national bands that are coming through Cincinnati, we'll get them on Lounge Acts to perform like five or six of their best songs. And we'll stream it on Facebook. And then we turn that into a podcast too. Yeah. So that's called Lounge Axe. So you didn't, it sounded like you did not start with at, in Cincinnati with the goal of starting a podcast. You were just managing other <laughs> digital content. And, well, yeah. And then you, this was sort of like, hey, what if we did this? I am a very busy person. <laughs> um, I uh, So my actual position is basically we have a ton of, uh, we, have, we have a huge digital staff. Uh, it's very different than most TV stations. Um, there are like 33 people on our digital staff, and ha- most of those are digital reporters that just focus on like a beat. Like there's a business yeah. reporter, and there's, uh, you know, we had an education reporter and a bunch of stuff like that. So um, I manage the digital breaking news reporters. There are seven of them. I also oversee all our social media stuff. So like Instagram, Facebook, and mm-hmm. there's like, we have a social media producer named Libby who's fantastic. And so that's mostly what I'm doing all day. And then I like to try to take on as many different projects as possible because I'm crazy and a masochist. But um, the moment we decided we were going to just be, you know, experiment and try a bunch of different things, I mean, the podcast was like one of the first things that kind of came up. And how do we do this? How do we, like, what kind of podcast do we want to have? And how does that mix in with, you know, what our goals are as the reporters and, yeah. and the news and local news? So. And we're still kind of experimenting with it. It's the format of here Cincinnati has changed like three times. <laughs> uh, I think what we have right now is the best version of it. Uh, I'm always really excited to do it. I was on vacation like last month, so I missed like three. And Megan Wesley, our digital editor, hosted in my place. So mm-hmm. if you listen to this after, you're going to be like, who's this? This isn't Max. And Ooh, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. were, what, what were the changes? Like what, what did you make from, uh, what were the differences from the start to now? So when we first started it, it was, the whole thing was just um, a panel. And it was uh, a couple reporters and maybe like a digital editor and I would all just talk about the news of the week and then like have more of a group conversation about like the stories that we were most excited about. Mm-hmm. Um, we shortened that to just the intro, which is about 15 minutes long. Yeah. And then I just for timing and scheduling. And also I just thought it was just a little bit more like a little better for conversation was to then sit down and f- have two separate segments that are focused on one specific story. And then we could produce it up a little bit more if we have time. Um, you know, whether it's including uh, sound from an interview that a reporter mm-hmm. went out and did. So they'll be talking about their story and then they can hear like, for instance, this week, um, we Henry at the Cincinnati Zoo died, Fiona's father. Sad story. And uh, so we were, Evan Millward, our television reporter, uh, interviewed Thane Maynard, the president of the Cincinnati Zoo. And they discussed, you know, what happened with Henry and how Fiona and BB are handling it and all that. So 
Evan was able to come on the podcast and kind of talk about what he learned, but then we were able to just let people listen to Thane and right. have that interview. I, maybe next time Thane will come on the podcast. <laughs> but but so that's kind of um, that's kind of we're just kind of experimenting, and that's where it's how it's evolved. So were you a uh, were you a big podcast fan before, and was that kind of why you you did you have the passion for it? Yeah, I'm addicted to podcasts. It's like all I do, yeah. which is insane. Like I don't know how I have time to listen to all the podcasts that I do, but like hours and hours whether i'm just like driving in the car or folding laundry or cooking breakfast like i the mm. first thing i do in the morning is listen to like the new york times podcast the daily yeah me too i get caught up <laughs> i think it's amazing i don't know how they do it but it sounds like they have like 40 people doing it so i don't know either yeah. i think about that every this morning it's i was listening so to it and they were reporting on you know what happened yesterday yeah. in texas and it's just like and that was a little less like produced it was just a conversation so i mean that i can understand but i'm like there's sometimes there's some episodes that are so highly produced and you're just like, how did they do this? This yeah. happened two days ago. Right. Yeah. yeah, I know. And it's just like they're intercut with interviews and yeah. there's music. And it's like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know how, what kind of size team they have. And I, I also suspect that Michael Barbaro doesn't sleep. But oh, that guy definitely doesn't sleep. Yeah. Um, it, honestly, like I'm super jealous every time I listen to The Daily because it's pretty much what I wish here Cincinnati could be. But we don't <laughs> have the staff or the time. Right. So we do like a light version of The Daily. And it's obviously Cincinnati tri-state yeah. focus. So if you want your local news. You come to us, then you can do your national, the daily stuff. That's why, like, um, <laughs> gosh, there's a new uh, podcast from WNYC, uh, and I brought it up before on the show. So sorry if I'm starting well, to sound like sure. I have a thorn in my side. If you've listened to multiple ones, but WNYC has this podcast called A Piece of Work, and uh, it's the same. It's the same kind of thing. It's in conjunction with MoMA, but they like do these interviews, and I'm always like, ah, oh, like they have so much more resources because they're like a radio station, and it's like. I can always tell when I listen to it. I'm like, this is like three, at least three people's full-time job. Yeah. And I'm always like so jealous, like, oh, I wish I could do yeah. something like this. I would love to do something like this, but I just like, I don't have the time or resources to do it. Um, and there's things about the show I don't particularly, you know, there are things I like and don't like, but I'm always just like, whenever I hear like really nice production and stuff, oh, I'm yeah. like, we just don't have I the know, time. You get jealous. You get jealous. Yeah. Good for them. <laughs> Maybe for one you. day. Yeah. Good for you, Moma, with all your <laughs> fancy paintings, with your starry nights and your Demoiselle d'Avignon and your number Jackson Pollock number ones, all of that. And good for you. And now your cool podcast. <laughs> We're not bitter. Yeah. And your RuPaul's as guests. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get RuPaul here one day. Don't worry about it. God, if only. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that would be amazing. If you get RuPaul, can you please send him to his WCPO studio so I can get him on here? Cincinnati? <laughs> we'll have him do the local podcast circuit. Just send RuPaul around. Yes, oh, my gosh. Please. All right. Well, you ready to go yeah, look at art? Let's do it. Let's do it. Awesome. We are in Gallery 119, and we are sitting in front of Fountain Square Pantomime by Joseph Henry Sharp. And what were your thoughts right away? <laughs> well, I have not read the description on the wall, so I just see what it's called. But I first, I want to say that I appreciate any piece of art with a dog in it. <laughs> yeah, and what a dog, right? Cute dog. I love that dog so much. Yeah, it's the first thing I note. I feel like it's so... Um, it really stands out. Like it's the most, it's like the most <laughs> eye-grabbing part of the painting. Um, and this is clearly local. This is Fountain Square, which is great. 
I like that you brought me to a, a local piece of art. That's well, of course, because I thought here, Cincinnati, mm-hmm. you cover local issues. I mean, maybe more heady, more heavy ones than like. <laughs> there's a fun thing going on at Fountain Square, but I don't know. You guys probably talk about like stuff that goes on at Fountain Square, Stu. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah Fountain Square is pretty popping during the summer, right? And yeah, occasionally in, in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> um, is this a happy painting though? I feel like is that this is a police officer with some kind of baton, right? Yeah. It yeah. looks like he's aggressively pointing at someone. <laughs> well, I think I think what we're supposed to be getting from that is that see these three little ragamuffins here yeah. on the side? I think they're they're like giving them a real hard time. Okay. I think we're supposed to think they're, you know, some real tr- little troublemakers in a cute little rascalsy kind of way. Yes. And they're uh you know, he he's he's the sort of officer crumpkey of this yes. to get all West Side story on yes. it. I think he's he's not supposed to be like Maybe a an oppressive he looks force. Grumpy. He definitely <laughs> looks grumpy. Um, yeah. So when I first moved to Cincinnati, like the first thing I wanted to do to really get to know like the history and like the mm-hmm. city um, is I did this series on our website called Then and Now, where I went to uh, the archives of like UC and a couple other places and got old, really old photos of Cincinnati. And then I went to the same spots where the photos were taken and I took the same photo. Mm-hmm. And then I did like a, a, you could swipe back and forth in the site to see like the same thing in like the 1800s and today. So when I did that, I learned that, I guess it's been a while. So if I'm wrong, I'm going to feel really dumb. <laughs> but because I did this like when I first started, but I think Fountain Square was not always it, like where the, the the fountain is, the fountain has not always been in the same spot, which I learned quickly when I was taking the photos. Yeah, you are correct. About um, that. And like I think Fountain Square has changed a lot. So this is what date? Eighteen ninety two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm. I think we are to assume this is uh, this is of its time. You know, yeah. he's painting what it was like to be there now, or at the time. And uh, yeah, you're correct. Actually, you can see one one kind of hint of the difference of the square is um well like w- from the viewpoint of us it's like we're standing in the street yeah and then you can see the new streetcar behind yes which there I, is a streetcar which was so it's kind of in, that's one of the things i love about this painting is that it's like a weird reflection of now because like at the time that streetcar would have been pretty new as well yes so I bet they all didn't like it i <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, that's very cynical. I'm sure, I bet these, these people probably love the street I bet there was card. just constant bickering over Somebody whether or not. Somebody was like, we don't want to pay yeah. for this. But look, I, I bet these people love the streetcar because they could take it to this event that they're yeah. going to. Actually, the streetcar used to come here. So it used to come up the hill. Oh, and that's part of why the art museum is built where it is, hmm. is because the streetcar used to take people to Eden Park. Like it would go like up, right? And like that. Well, we we had the incline too. So yeah, yeah. we did have inclines up um, Mount Adams. So yeah, I think between the streetcar and the inclines, there was Mm -hmm. quite a lots of public transportation to get up here. And I, I I don't know the exact streetcar route, so I don't know. It might've taken you probably maybe more to like the bottom of, of the park, but it it took you into the, you know, it was a easy way to get to Eden Park and then you could get to the museum pretty easily. Yeah. Um, So actually, you know, the, the old streetcar is, even really a part of our history as well. Mm. But yeah, I mean, I don't, are we supposed to assume, so the hat that's in the street, you think he's like collecting money? No, <laughs> I think that, I don't think so. I think, I'm, I'm assuming, so see this little blonde boy here who's pointing yes. at it? I think he's oh. lost his hat. Oh, God, if, you are so much better than me <laughs> interpreting <laughs> art. 
<laughs> well, if you just look, you know, everybody, and it's like everybody's wearing a hat, right? Yes. Like, except, except that for kid. him. He's yes. like the only one. It's cold out. Maybe, you know, we haven't done a, a great job of actually describing the whole scene. So that's my fault. We're like, ten, no, no, no. You had thoughts, and I wanted you to get them out um, before you, before you <laughs> lost them. But, you know, maybe we should just kind of describe yes. the scene for everybody. Um, it's, I don't know, you can start. Sure. Uh, there's a gathering of some sort in Fountain Square. Uh, it's very packed, very, very, uh, whatever's going on, there's a lot of people that are there. And uh, it looks like it's sometime in the winter because everyone's very bundled up and wearing hats. And um, yeah, you can finish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can finish. Well, we, we, like I sort of hinted at, we were looking at it actually from the streets yes. view. So it's like they're all looking at something, but we can't see what they're looking yes. at. And then we have the just the tiniest little hint of the fact that it is a fountain square because you see part of the fountain, but just like it's on the the left hand side of it, and yeah. just like the edge of it. So it's a, it's one of one of the things I love about this painting is it doesn't like hit you over the head with its location. Yes. Um, you know, it would be very tempting to paint this scene, I think, in a way that really. Um, showed off the fountain and made it about that, but it really doesn't. Yeah. It's like the focus is the people. And um, and then, you know, the streetcar that I mentioned is also just this tiny little... Yeah. I didn't even notice it until you brought it up. Yeah, it's... it's um, we just see the top of it kind of over the, the crowd's head mm -hmm. in the background, and it's it's obviously sort of receding in the background. It's kind of much uh, foggier looking in the mm -hmm. back. It's not as clear. Um so, you know, we have all these people dressed up like you dress up in 1892. <laughs> yeah. And um, actually, so what they're looking at, and you were kind of talking about actually the differences in Fountain Square's location. Mm -hmm. And actually one of the things, because of that streetcar in the back, you can kind of tell it used to be surrounded by, like there were streets on both mm -hmm. sides. Mm -hmm. So that's when you look at old yeah. photos, you can see that, like you could drive on either side of it. Um, but the Mabley and Carew department store was across the street. Right, yeah. And there was this big window, and they would stage, like, children's performances there. And okay. so they would do, like, Christmas shows or, like, fairy tales. Um, and then all these crowds would gather to watch them. That was the pantomime is the show. So that's what it's called, Fountain Square Pantomime. Um, and so this, you know, that's why most of the people we're seeing are kids up front so they have a you know they can see over the heads of people and then you know all their mothers and nannies and people who are looking after them and in, in the background so do you think that the artist drew this like from an actual event that they were witnessing no I don't. Um, and I think there's pretty good evidence that they didn't. Okay, one thing, and one of the things I've noticed about this painting after repeated viewings is like a lot of these people's faces look like a lot alike. You're right. Oh my God. I was going to say that, especially those three boys next to the yeah, top. Yeah. Like they are the same person. Not super specific, right? Like yeah. there's a lot of like, and, and, even the lady, like this woman above them in the, yes. the sort of whitish mm -hmm. dress, um, I feel like her face looks a lot like their faces too. Like there's just mm -hmm. something about all their faces that to me feels a little like, 
this is how I paint a face. This is my generic yeah. person face. Well, sometimes when you're just like, you can only, like you're really good at hands and that's it. You know, <laughs> like maybe you just was really good at this one face. Well, I, I've always suspected and I've looked at pictures of him and it's it, it's kind of true is that they kind of look like him a little bit. Oh, really? Which is, is Joseph Sharp? Joseph Henry Sharp. Yeah. I mean, a little bit. Like the, it's something people do when they draw and they, they tend to make their subject look a little bit like them. That's interesting. So like one of the things, if you're um, in a drawing class, like men tend to make women's shoulders too big. Interesting. So when men draw women, they almost always make their shoulders too big. Wow. And women do the opposite. When they draw men, they tend to make their shoulders too small. So it's like... And that's because they're just putting a little piece of themselves in the art. Yeah, it's just like their own intuition is mm -hmm. like, well, this is like they, their default is themselves. It's like the person they've looked at the most and yeah. like the way. So I, I think it's, you know, he might have been trying to make distinct faces. And I can see in certain ways they, they're somewhat different, but I feel like they all kind of snap back. Whereas if you look at these like men with the top hats and I and this the adults in the background, um, a lot of those are based on specific people. Yes. Um, and they're not, they look a lot more specific. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's... Are, do we know who any of these people are? Somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. You know what's interesting too? Like if you didn't, and maybe I'm totally off base here, but if you didn't have that little hint of the streetcar and that like little hint of the, of the fountain um, statue, uh, this could really be, this could be London. This could be, yeah. right? Like it could be really any like major city during that time period. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there wouldn't be a lot to distinguish yeah. it other than the fountain. That's Unless like someone was eating like a cheese coney or something. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, you know, I, no, don't, I don't know, know the, the history. Of that. I don't know when the cheese coney <laughs> appeared. It actually was probably not that much no, later. It was a, probably around this time, actually. There was the, the chili itself was. I feel like it's probably like 1910 at the yeah. latest or something like that. But I mean, that's just me guessing. <laughs> we actually sure. did a whole thing about the history of chili. Our editorial cartoonist did like a cartoon out of it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm being the worse right now for not remembering when it started but yeah yeah, yeah i don't yeah that would be amazing if it had a coney in it <laughs> i because i i even wanted to say but i don't know if it's true um the I, the guy with the this guy here with the mustache and the goatee yeah in the kind of mustardy color suit i think that is the artist oh wow it's like a Where's Waldo situation. <laughs> but I don't know. It's the I don't, most art I know. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. So I, 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 I might be wrong. But uh, um, so I've, I've done a bad job at uh, remembering fine. who these people are. Um, but they were sort of notable Cincinnatians and some of his friends and things. He actually, so um, he taught uh, at the Art Academy mm -hmm. um, here. And uh, he was from Bridgeport, Ohio. Is that a place? I think that's a place. <laughs> so I said that it's because uh, it's near Wheeling, West okay. Virginia, I think. That's yeah. why it's called Bridgeport. Um, and uh, so he's kind of from this area. And then, but what he's most known for are Western scenes. Wow. So actually, just a few galleries over, we, I can walk you over there and show you. But we have lots of his scenes of... Um, Native Americans, um, that was what he was known for. He was commissioned by Teddy Roosevelt to paint all of these portraits of Native Americans. Wow. And um, he has, uh, he was kind of part of this school called the Taos School, uh, 
from Taos, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so he was, um, that's really what a huge chunk of his work is, is all sort of Western Native American art. Um, we have quite a few in the collection. So this is kind of a fun, odd little piece of his his work to, to have this piece that's so focused on Cincinnati um, because so much of his work focuses on the other side of the country. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that when he painted this, I know you're saying he included people he knew, but do you think he purposely included a lot of different like classes? Like you can tell there's like people oh, yeah. that are wealthier than there's people that don't look wealthy at all. Um, it seems like there's a very large mixture of like middle class, upper class and poor, right? Yeah, and I mean, I'm not super great at reading maybe period class, but I think, you know, if you look at this kid in the front where he's got the little hole in his yeah. stockings, like I feel like that's a little bit of a hint totally there. Totally intentional. Yeah, I I, agree. I I assume so. I mean, it's hard not to look at these these men in the, the tall top hats and not mm-hmm. assume they are, are wealthier. Um, and then, you know, some of the, the people feel a little more modestly dressed and and yeah I, I agree i think that must be intentional again because because i i don't think he was ever you know painting a totally real scene you know yeah first of all like you don't go out in 1892 with a canvas and get you know this many people to stand still for that long sure right? so you know the most he probably did was go take do some sketches um, yeah. from life maybe you know get some ideas and then uh, composed this idea and, and worked on it afterwards. And, um, you know, he's probably uh, with the certain figures, he's basing them on real people so he c- could do sketches from them. But it's definitely a composition um, composited from, from multiple things. I wonder if, so there's only one African-American person in this, as far as I can tell. It's the woman in the front. Yeah. And I wonder if she's based on someone real just because she seems to also stand out as someone who's so dramatically different than everyone around her. She's in green. It's like, she's just like, do you see that? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. I possibly, I have no idea and (laughs) no way of knowing, honestly. I mean, maybe there's, there's some, some notes somewhere in the the files deep that maybe points out who she is, but I, I've never heard anyone mention it, but she might uh, be known. Um, yeah, I'm just not sure. There's also the little boy. There's a little boy on the right side, all the way on the right. Who's is it? Is he making like a a silly like hand gesture? <laughs> yeah. I so what I've assumed, and I don't know if this is true, but I kind of always feel he's he's like kind of part of the like the little ragamuffins gang sure, down here. Sure. Um, and he is he is sort of like doing this kind of behind the policeman's back almost. Oh, even you're though. Right. It's kind of one of these, like, it's almost like a stage uh, trick. It's like he's cheating. Like, in real space, that doesn't make any sense as far as, like, he's to his side, really, and, and behind him. And Yeah. But, and these guys wouldn't really see that. But it's, like, almost uh, from the stage perspective where you kind of excuse that. Like, we see him as behind there. Mm-hmm. And, it, like, I think, yeah, he's kind of poking fun at the police officer. I think that's why we're supposed to get an idea that these these kids have been giving him a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, He's making that old-timey gesture. <laughs> yeah, it's a very old-timey gesture. Also, the word ragamuffin, I feel like, have not heard that used in a long time. I'm very and I probably impressed. used it three times. So far, I think, yeah. It's very impressive. Look, I am always ready to use You're ragamuffin and just waiting for I mean, the... We're talking about something in the 1890s, so I feel like it's yeah. appropriate. Man, I love old-timey uh, slang. <laughs> that is just my bread and butter. Like, I remember in high school when we were studying the Roaring Twenties, mm. uh, they handed us a 
a flyer full of 20s uh, slang and and like, oh my gosh, we were obsessed with it. So my friends and I would just, you know, very great Gatsby, like exactly like <laughs> that's a load of banana oil, you know, stuff like that <laughs> got worked into our vocabulary very quickly. And in the expression gams, yes, for legs, that was a big favorite, or like getaway sticks. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm gonna start doing that too now, actually. Uh, but yeah, overall, this is a beautiful painting. It's, um, I really like it. It's it's a g- great one for us to have, obviously, just because of its connection to the city and yeah. and, and the connection with the artist and it's history. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun to see, and I thought you would enjoy it just because you know you you focus on the daily life of Cincinnatians, yeah, and so it's kind of fun to look at it in the past and think about how kind of in, in a way not much has changed. In yeah, I kind of wish people still dressed like this, to be honest with you. <laughs> but you know, it's like we still gather in Fountain Square to watch stuff and mm-hmm. to come together. And it's 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 a very optimistic piece, ultimately, to yeah. me, just because, you know, even the, the kind of class issues you were talking about of, of a place where people all sort of gather together. Yeah, it together. doesn't matter what class they're in, they're all gathered in the same spot, which is what I kind of like. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's... Uh, it's maybe us at our best here. So, yeah. yeah. When you decided to show me this, what did you think I was going to notice first? Hmm. I didn't know. I didn't think you would zero in on the dog. The dog so caught my quickly. eye. Because <laughs> I think the dog is like the most innocent one in this. Like, he's just like, I'm just yeah. here, just hanging out. He's looking at us too, by the way. Yeah. Well, it's, it's such a, it's a, it's, it's so fun to like, pretend dogs are watching things like too so like my, my dog will lay on the couch sometimes and just like face the tv yeah and it's just always fun to pretend like you know he's really watching the bachelor or whatever maybe, maybe he is yeah maybe but, he's really invested yeah <laughs> he's like oh man this rose ceremony is a tense one um but uh yeah I, I don't know like uh i'm not sure if i had any idea of what you would pick out i figured you would pick out that it was found square pretty quickly yeah so i i don't know that would probably that would have been bad if i didn't <laughs> <laughs> glad i didn't fail that um i, I was just talking about so the, really the main part of the fountain that you see you kind of see the top of the basin and then one of these like boys who are like riding the different sea creatures yeah. around the edges and one of my favorite details about those is like if you look, one of them is writing what is a supposed to be a dolphin, but like really? dolphins in the 19th century are just crazy looking <laughs> because Why? because nobody like saw dolphin. Like you don't have yeah, photo. True, photography is new at this point. You know we don't. It's like you're mostly basing it on like the accounts of like mythos sailors and other artists drawing. So it's like a little bit of a game of telephone of aquatic life. And so, yeah, like sea creatures. Before, That's kind of fascinating. Before, you know, photography is, is sort of everywhere, just looks so weird in art. Like there's always these really strange dolphins. They'll get the fins wrong. They'll kind of put, like, you know, because a dolphin's fins are different than like you know a shark in the back like mm-hmm. you know they go different ways because they're they're mammals and so like they'll get that wrong a lot of times and they'll just just it'll have like gills that'll be the big thing is like dolphins will have gills and stuff so interesting they just mess up things because they you know if you imagine like if all you ever saw of a dolphin was like 
it occasionally popping out of a water for a few seconds. It scared the crap out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I already don't like dolphins just because they look too similar to sharks. Yeah. I don't trust them. <laughs> yeah. What's really funny, because we also, like, we have uh, a lion in the uh, Antiquities Gallery, but where does an artist go to look at a lion? at that time, you know, where they can see one just in captivity, where yeah, they'd have to either look at someone else's painting or they'd have to have traveled to Africa. Right. So you can tell that the lion is kind of modeled on like a dog, like mm. its body is more dog like than and its face is just like, yeah, it's not really what a lion <laughs> looks like. But but you would just like you don't have photos. So you're basing it on other people's art and other people's descriptions of it. And, you know, but then there's like a cow nearby and the cow is perfect because, you know, you can go out and look at a cow. Yeah, <laughs> the cow yeah. doesn't come to eat you. <laughs> you, know, you can get a good look at a cow without yeah. like having to fear for your life. <laughs> you probably stand still for you long enough to paint it. too. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. What else is there? Uh, there's a random baby in the background. <laughs> Did you see that one? Yeah. Hat? Yeah. It's I guess someone's cute... holding her up unless she just has really long legs. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it's the the the, the former. <laughs> That's now I'm trying to imagine that baby with like his giant legs, really long legs. <laughs> I noticed that right away too, but I didn't want to bring it up. Well, um, I also like this uh, this guy who's decided to cheat the system, mm -hmm. who's like climbed the tree a little bit yeah, to get a better like view. Him. There's always one of them, isn't there? Yeah. Some some Weisenheimer who thinks he's gonna get up there and uh, and you know there's somebody really annoyed behind him right now too. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. But this is a cool time period. I, I like it a lot. Great. Well, thank you so much for being my guest yeah, today, Max. Thank you. This was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Great. Thanks for coming. Thank you for listening to Art Palace. We never mentioned it during the conversation, but Max's podcast, Here Cincinnati, is spelled H-E-A-R in case you want to check it out. We hope you'll be inspired to come visit the Cincinnati Art Museum and to have conversations about the art yourself. General admission to the museum is always free, and we also offer free parking. Special exhibitions on view right now are Iris von Erpen, Transforming Fashion, Anna England, Kinship, William Kintridge, More Sweetly Play the Dance, and opening November 17th is Albrecht Durer, The Age of Reformation and Renaissance. If that exhibition excites you, join us for a free symposium, The Reformation in Cultural Perspective, on November 17th from 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Explore multiple perspectives on Albrecht Durer's era through panel discussions, lectures, and musical performances in this partnership with the University of Cincinnati. For program reservations and more information, visit CincinnatiArtMuseum.org. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and join our Facebook group. Our theme song is Offrande Musicale by Bacalau. If you liked this episode, why not share it with a friend or go and give us a nice review on iTunes? It really helps us find new listeners. I'm Russell Eyrig, and this has been Art Palace, produced by the Cincinnati Art Museum.